0: Bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Welcome
1: to the Weird Things podcast starring Ileana Douglas and three other schmoes. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. Brian Brushwood, Justin Robert Young, and myself, Andrew May. Hi. Hi. Hello, Hi. hello. Holy cow. If you're just joining us, uh, which you
2: probably are because you're not live, uh, we just finished an hour-plus-long incredible conversation with uh, special guest Eliana Douglas, whose new book is I Blame Dennis Hopper. Uh, get the plug in right up front because she has just enough time to join us for,
1: uh, for a few minutes in this yes. Weird Things episode. We'll, we'll jump, we're going to have her, we're going to make her stick in for just one topic, and then she's got to get right at a screenplay, she directs, she writes. She's the work. The work. I'm,
3: I'm on deadline, I'm on deadline, I'm writing, ah.
1: uh, yeah. writing a script. So uh, we're going to jump right in. Guys, ladies, Bigfoot, we got a Bigfoot sighting. What? what? proof we have proof oh the thank proof goodness here, finally I'm, I'm selling everything i'm buying an rv i'm gonna go hunt bigfoot because of this video footage right here i don't all need right, any uh, more uh, evidence okay maybe bef- i'll let you guys look at it but you're not talking me out of it
2: all right real quick before we look at this justin uh iliana if you if you, not knowing what we're about to see all we know is that this is proof of bigfoot what yes. do you think we're gonna see
3: i think you're gonna see a man <laughs> in a bear suit <laughs> That's my. Guess. I
1: got everything listed on Craigslist. My all my <laughs> belongings in this world. My house in Florida is saying, "Hey, unload any any price right now, so I can buy that RV." And yeah. I don't need that kind of skepticism. And I'm going to show you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, let's let's take a look. What are we what are we seeing and here? Is, and this
0: looks to be, uh, you know, this is mountain footage here. We see a babbling brook. It's Utah, because he's a Mormon. Love uh, it. Okay, it looks like a culvert on the
2: side of the road.
0: Oh, wait, listen, I'm stirring up there.
2: Ooh. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a dark mass behind a crow, a, a bunch of trees.
3: He's got the good shaky camera. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's the hallmark uh, of the Bigfoot look. cinematography.
1: Oh, wait, but, ah, there's a floating arrow.
0: <laughs> uh yeah, Seem still have a bit of a looping gait. The famous Kay. Bigfoot walk. Uh, I, I'm just, wait, that was it?
2: That
3: was it? <laughs> <Boo>!
1: <laughs> there's a, uh, on the link there, there's some stabilized footage, which shows a, a better, which is why, again, okay. I've made this life choice here that I'm happy to share with all of you. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. All right, uh, uh, Eliana, real quick. Yeah. Scale yeah. of one to ten how credible uh of the uh, is the evidence
2: <laughs> thumbs down on a scale of that's, 1 to 10 oh she says oh it's God. down to
0: earth, to
3: like earth. It's down no, to earth down to earth this is
2: this is real i like
3: i mean the worst part is the slow pan to nothing
0: oh there we okay so that's that's, that's the a better look stabilized
3: look that
2: it looks, looks even worse it? it's more clearly a dude <laughs> yeah
0: that's Okay, well, Brian, you say it's clearly a dude. Uh, it's obviously yes. a humanoid. Uh, yeah,
2: and-
3: that, oh, that's no! <laughs> okay.
2: Oh, okay, so so here's what's amazing to me. I want I wish I could see the transformation firsthand of somebody capturing this footage who's like who tells someone else like yeah i saw a dude and then someone else else is like well, you, well i saw a sasquatch look at it again and then through that filter of like i'm looking for a sasquatch and then you're like oh man now i see it uh, after the after the fact
3: well what i'd like to see is the video of the two guys in their garage with the one guy putting on the bear <laughs> city you know after after having you know 12 beers I is,
0: is I love how Bigfoot looks very gingerly, kind of getting through this mountain pass here.
2: Yeah, has has there ever been like any footage that you've seen, Ileana, that were that uh, maybe didn't make you an instant believer, but you but but left you wondering like, okay, well, I don't know what I just saw, but
3: no, not with the Bigfoot. I remember you know back in the day. It's funny before there were re- you know everything became a reality show. I remember that National Geographic. There, was, there were, used to be these crazy – there was a documentary about a guy. I think he was going to China to see the Chinese – what was the Chinese version of Sasquatch? Uh,
2: d- d- uh, Yowie. Oh, Yowie. Yeah. Yowie. Uh,
3: and there was this guy and, you know, again, smart is a whip going like – got somehow convinced National Geographic to give them all this money to go to China to to search for I the yeti and it was you know <laughs> you know, I'm like very little credible evidence I mean they had a footprint you know then they went to a museum and they they were like going to people's huts and things like that and
1: maybe it was just yeti somebody's pointing out that Yowie's like Australian Yeah, yeah. I, I that's
2: that's the what yeti. I thought Yeah, yeah. maybe yeah.
3: that's it the yeti, the yeti. The Chinese
2: it's I, I always Feel bad in in whenever there's some kind of like a uh, survey of what do you believe in. Usually the heavy hitters are UFOs, ESP, uh, angels and devils and stuff. And then, uh, uh, but then always down at the bottom of the list is poor Loch Ness Monster and Bigfoot. And well, the-
1: we had an expert weigh in on this. They spoke to a professor, an Idaho professor who believes in Bigfoot, and he analyzed the footage. Yeah. And supporting my claim um, uh, <laughs> is. Uh, he says, the face is very shiny, the edge between that shiny face and shining hair is very, very sharp, which smacks of a cheap fabricated costume. But that's not the same as him saying that it is a cheap fabricated costume, guys. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, writes, it could easily be real. It could easily not be real, but I don't want to call people fakers, because if you do that, then nobody will send you information. Pretty soon you'll lose real things. Uh, so, yeah. So listen, I think that's 100% proof.
3: Yeah, that one's not... That one's not good. <laughs> when was the last time somebody saw a Loch Ness monster? Uh,
0: wait, wait. What was the question? When's the last time? Uh, a time before camera phones? Yeah. Ah, uh, I know. You know, What's as soon you as you got, uh, maybe he just uh, preferred Polaroids. The the Loch Ness monster that was really surgeons. You had to be a surgeon to
1: capture a photo of him. I
3: never know. <laughs> have you guys? I've never seen a UFO. Have you guys seen a UFO? Or yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know a, cu- a reclaimed- couple of things uh, as oh, always a matter of fact
2: hang on i think we get- I-, I don't think we even discussed this on the show i saw a genuine uh, phenomenon that I could not explain out my front door. If you go to uh, uh, vine.co slash wood.
1: (laughs) You couldn't explain.
2: Yeah. Well, I couldn't, (laughs) and you'll hear me. Okay, so I'm upstairs. The kids are doing something, and then Bonnie comes up. My wife comes up, taps me on the shoulder, like, you need to come outside right now. And we go outside, and in the stark, clear light is what I think is clearly a circle of birds uh, like a bunch wow. of grackles or whatever and okay. it's just suspended there uh, those but, are those are birds it looks like a smoke ring well th- it turns out it wasn't birds it was it was uh as best i can guess a smoke ring but it just <laughs> sat there hovering for uh for a good cuz Bonnie came and got me two or, th- or i don't know like 30 seconds afterwards after uh-huh. she saw it and then we came down it lingered for a good 3 or 4 minutes we happened to catch it at the right time and putting it out, you know, I, I was saying like, "Hey, what the heck is this?" Twitter and uh, Twitter uh, very quickly had some counter examples that looks almost the same. As best we can figure, somebody uh, somebody was uh, uh, cooking something or had uh, uh, smoke maybe uh, start out the chimney, and and it was just so still
1: out. That, I Brian, that smoke... I see these every day. Do you where? Over at Universal Studios, when they do their special effects show, it's oh! whenever you get a little explosion or one of those little boom things, hits, you get those smoke dreams and you can see where the smoke, the dark part goes all the way to the ground. Correct. Where yeah. somebody set off a firework or a rocket or something like that. or you know, but it was just right just in a blown my neighborhood.
2: That was the part that I was like, because we didn't hear any sounds uh, mm. and, yeah. and I got, hopped on my bike and rode around. And nobody was doing anything. And again, you know, I, I'm fairly. Stubborn. I love that
0: you were on the case. That you were like, oh, ready the bicycle, a Brian bring, bring,
2: ink. coming through, solving a mystery. <laughs> well, hold on now. Now here's the funny part: is I found like a
0: cliff bar and a sense of adventure. That's the, all that bike cop Brian needs.
2: And and to be honest, this is why I think people just accept supernatural answers because it's easier to just say I don't know aliens. Because what's hard is to ride your bike around and knock on your neighbor's doors saying, uh, excuse me, I saw something I don't understand. It was like a <laughs> like, black ring the in the town. sky. Not again.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, I've seen, the, I've, seen I, I've had ghost experiences. Um, so I do believe in ghosts. I did live in a, an apartment that was haunted. Tell I us think. about it. Can, I, you,
2: can you tell us about it?
3: Um. Yes, I had moved to New York, and it was um, uh, I, I'm I, the the building was called the Park Vendome Building. Now it's funny they dispute this, and I actually I did the show um Celebrity Ghost Stories, and the Park Vendome won't like acknowledge this. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, and when I did the show, they made us we actually had to shoot in another building, but um. So I felt sort of bad about that. but it was the Park Vendome and I moved in and just from the minute I moved in, it there just was all sorts of bizarre. It started with knocking. It did start with the classic. the place was freezing. Uh, there was noise around the clock. There was a piano there. I would hear the piano and just what bizarre things kept um, happening culminating with uh, water pouring from the ceiling and having the super come down and could not explain where the water was uh, was coming from and at that po- that was at that point I moved out of the building I couldn't take it anymore
1: <laughs> wow
3: yeah it destroyed the whole and the it, it there's they couldn't figure out where the water was coming from but it destroyed the the whole like living room, they had to replace the ceiling. And at that point, I went to the owner because I was subletting and I asked for my money back. <laughs> and she she said there's no ghost. I'm not going to give there's, you – There's like, no ghost you know, clause in no, the contract? Yeah. Like there's I no, she thought it was crazy but I was – I'm convinced there was a ghost there. And I had another experience doing a movie and we were shooting, the movie was called The Californians, and we were shooting at someone's house. And, you know, we're walking around the house, and all of a sudden they noticed, no one else noticed this, but this woman who owned the house, which was out in Marin County, she had a framed picture of Charles Man- of, of uh, Manson's hair, framed, <laughs> which she <laughs> must have one strand of Charles Manson's hair. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that got me going, and I started to look around, and I noticed that she had all sorts of weird uh, devil things. She had something that belonged to John Wayne Gacy, who was another serial killer. And in Uh the midst of all of this stuff, I started to really get freaked out, and I was sitting in the bed, and I swear to you, something in the atmosphere grabbed my leg. And I screamed and ran out of the house. People thought I was out of my mind, but I said, have been oh, wow. Because he didn't like some, girls. Something. So I've had ghost things.
0: Wow. Ghost things. Oh, my yeah. God. Those are those are both amazing stories. Real quick, we do have research coming in on Brian's mysterious smoke ring. Uh, yeah. It apparently has also transfixed yet another uh, uh, area that, uh, like Texas, is known for uh, its uh, level head, Kazakhstan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, well, And there it is. I think we talked oh. about this when it broke last year, too.
0: Uh, floated in the air for 15 minutes and then disappeared. A, a similar black ring caused a sensation last year when British schoolgirl uh, Georgina Heap recorded a video of the phenomenon on her smote, uh, smartphone. It is thought to be by many... A portal to hell.
2: <laughs> uh, either that, as a matter of fact, somebody, when I asked Twitter what was going on with the smoke ring, somebody said uh, that they, 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 somebody had posted it on the Austin subreddit saying, hey, just in this area, what's this thing? And it was another angle clearly shot at the same time, but the same thing. There were suggestions that it might be a blown transformer or something. But again, nobody heard. no. And again, not that that's evidence. Nobody heard
0: a sound. But uh, who knows what it is. Nice. Uh, well, apparently it can be made by a homemade trash can smoke ring launcher. But but again, nobody.
2: They, they didn't have one. I was on my bike. The bike caught Brian. <laughs> you. He was on the did
0: case. You.
2: Exactly. Did you find
1: the exact... Do you know that you found the center of where it started from, Brian?
2: Uh, no, and again, that's one of the tricky things with perspective. It genuinely looked like it was only a block over, and our neighborhood is not very big. So I just did... I literally rode my bike all the way around the neighborhood, but just in the amount of time it took to get out there, I'm sure there was enough of a delay that, you know, I eventually lost it and the sun went down and so on.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, here, I'll tell you what, just as that uh, a ghostly apparition grabbed the leg of, of Ileana Douglas, we want you to grab her book, I Blame Dennis Hopper, <laughs> available on Amazon. Go pick it up and uh, make sure you leave a good review once it gets to you and you read it. Uh, uh, Ileana thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, to screw around with us on the podcast
3: thanks thank you so much no ghosts I've had no ghost experiences in many years so that's been good
2: certified <laughs> ghost free the book is not haunted
3: <laughs> no and very funny <laughs> uh, uh,
0: amazing thank you thank you thank you thanks, and everybody guys. go ahead and follow her uh, at Ileana Rama on Twitter as well
3: yes thanks Awesome. Great, guys. All right, we're, we're, we're going to
2: drop you off the line. We love you. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye. Gentlemen. Yeah. Yes.
1: Glad you're here. Uh, listen, uh, got some good news for you. Then the okay. Nothing could possibly go wrong, department.
0: <laughs>
2: Aha. All right. I've, these are always the boringest stories because they're about a
1: well-thought-out plan that goes off without a hitch. Yeah, we well, should just call them Tales of Success. I'm I'm actually all for this, but uh, some scientists. Yeah. Russian scientists. The best kind. (laughs) Working with some South Korean
0: scientists. Now we've got a tag team of excellence. They've got a plan. Oh, hell yeah, they do.
1: They have decided to clone and bring back from extinction. Preach! Ice Age lions. Dude, I'm so okay with this. That sounds rad.
0: Well, why I mean, as long as they don't back, they're available in a theater near you. Uh, you know, once every two years or so. Well, so so how 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 they plan to
1: go about this? They found some uh, lion DNA in a in a and they found some actually lions, some some like frozen like lion corpses, and they think they can, uh, you know basically take some DNA from there and paste, using some other cat, pop it in there, and uh, they're, they're using their scientific chisel, and they can uh, bring this thing back. Now, of course, I noticed on the YouTube channel that he found to the right is the totally scientific thing, breaking news labs makes human and dog DNA.
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> All right, look, look yeah, that association
2: uh, doesn't have anything to do with it. I, I remember hearing a theory about a similar thing with woolly mammoth, that you would take yeah, mammoth DNA. Same group. And uh, and then and then breed it with uh, w- or crossbreed it with uh, elephants to where you got fairly close to a woolly mammoth. And uh, w- what's funny is I remember when I read that I was like, oh man, so it's not a real woolly mammoth. But then I thought, well, what what does that mean anyway? It's like it's big, it walks around, it's got giant tusks, and
0: it looks like a woolly mammoth. Uh,
1: you know what else are you gonna do with it? Yeah, exactly. Well- and the thing that we can do now, though, is is that that's that's the old genetic engineering, Brian. That's the old. Way. Oh, I'm sorry. What is this 1992? Did a little movie
2: yeah. just come out by Michael Crichton? I know. Cause, cause,
0: what, what was uh, is, is is this? Am I going to uh, go see? Oh, wait, hold on. Let me get Ileana Douglas's IMDb back. I <laughs> want <laughs> all this to just be Ileana Douglas uh, references. Oh, what am I oh, waiting? Man, am I going to go to a, a, a movie theater? And uh, spend my four twenty five on Alive, watching Eliana Douglas play Liliana Methol. Dude, I worked in the movie theater when Alive came out. I worked at that theater. So it, well, I guess it's not that time. Okay, it's not that time. No. It, now a modern era where different things happen, different things
1: like... We have the CRISPR we have the cast 9 techniques we can do precise gene splicing so if we get that di- if we get that lion DNA and we we're able to sequence it look at the computer and look at that we could take a little bit here and a little bit there and put it into a lion we could then go full on i mean we have a lot of technologies now that we're entering the age of digital genomics and yeah oh,
2: so so is this is this a new age that's who super rad, or is this the beginning of the end? I mean, I remember yes. hearing or is this a new
0: age that's super sad? We're gonna <laughs> let you vote, ladies and gentlemen, on weird things <laughs> i I mean, like here's my question is
2: once you once you uh enter the cheat code for genetics, i mean hypothetically. When I played Doom, it was really scary because I was worried about dying. Then you type in the God Code, I was no longer worried about dying, and I saw no need to preserve ammo or to to act responsibly in any way because I knew nothing mattered, and no matter what, I would make it to the end. Uh, Right now, there's a lot of decisions we make because we're really scared for the environment. But it seems like... Once you reduce the stakes, when it's all of a sudden, it's just like, meh, just make a whatever. Like, does that reduce the need? I, I mean, obviously, well, I don't know. Or does it? Does it reduce it's, the need for a right, So wait, is your
0: question that we're just going to usher into a, a culture where we're just murdering animals?
2: Yes. Uh, what uh, does it matter? We, if we can bring them all back and improve them and make new ones, then, then why bother to
0: save any of the old ones? Andrew? Brian has a kill this.
1: spree that he wants to go on <laughs> where it wipes out animals indiscriminately because science. <laughs> Justin, this is the guy when we brought up the idea of and this is a concern of Stephen Wolfram now, apparently, too, of AI creating virtually fully sentient individuals inside its memory banks to test things, then wiping them out in mass. Brian just shrugged.
2: I mean, that's uh,
0: that's my favorite lesser-known Ayn Rand novels.
2: I mean, as as an author, you do the same thing. You invent people, then you give them interesting stories, then you kill them. They're representations uh, of people, you Go, Brian, Brian actually people. the
0: charge that you're an animal murderer. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, how do you respond? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 again, I'm not
2: pro it. I'm just, you know, from the philosophical discussion
0: standpoint. He's just saying, hey, listen. I'm not I don't do drugs, but if people are doing drugs at the party, you know, what am I going to do
2: in, in an age where you can make whatever creature you want? Does it does it reduce the uh, the ethical responsibility to preserve what's there, you knowing deserve- especially that nature hits the reset button? You know, we're on our sixth ma- mass extinction. Uh, if we have the ability to recreate any of it, I mean, do, do we have
0: an obligation to go back and recreate all of it? So, like, the, maybe the idea being that, like, all right, so we got these animals on the, um, on the endangered species list, right? Like, the idea should be, hey, let's just start cloning them now instead of preserving them. Or, I, you know, yeah, I think, and to it, answer is that, that question. Is that, I is think that hit that, to where you want to go, Brian? Or? Yeah,
2: well, and again, that's not me saying that's what I think we should no, do. We I'm, I'm asking to, why I, can't oh, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I,
1: I don't think you're Hitler, Brian. Okay. I know you're asking a question. I mean um, I, Like, let's let's come on. Like let's ask let's get to the question. So my my I Brian, I think it's a very good question because on one hand, we do things like seed vaults and things like that, and we're trying to preserve these things. But then there's the idea that like we do get in the information problem, like, well, do we really know the species? Do we have the ecosystem? And 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 it is what are we trying to preserve? And and that's one of the fears. Like there are places on Mars where we won't send the rovers because we don't want to get close to what maybe outflows or water. We don't want to contaminate it, which to me seems sort of like, well, come on, guys, you know. But uh, we we have that sort of ethical consideration, so there is that danger of like, yeah, you know, we can bring it back. What's the matter if it goes away? And uh, when one, we don't have that technology. But your question is like, once we do, right? How do we become better stewards?
2: Well, and specifically, like, uh, if 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 we have the ability to bring something back after, essentially, from the dead, wh- uh, wh- where's the line? Like, do we do we bring back everything? Do we bring back just stuff that that that? that went extinct during written history do we bring back stuff that went extinct during man's history do we
1: br- bring back and and if if so then why not go all the way back you know well yeah that's then that's the million dollar question because i would say that arguably people would say well well no we don't need to bring back things that went out you know, you have to figure out, like, what's our window? Do we bring back the passenger piston because we killed that off? And, and if we just said, let's preserve everything that it is now, and as you point out, extinction wipes out these things all the time. And, you know, we've heard this thing that we're entering a new age of extinction. I don't know that I buy that because if you name a species, not a subspecies, but a species that's not an island species that went extinct in the last 50 years, you're going to come up empty. Uh,
0: there's also i guess a question of like you know if you're bringing something back like like they're not gonna if, if they're the, these scientists these these russian south korean scientists if they bring back a ice age lion they're not just gonna release it onto the streets of seoul right or just you know <laughs> push it out of awesome. a moving car in the hillside like it's gonna be kept in captivity so anything that you're bringing back you're bringing back
1: to take care of right yeah i'm not really worried about that at all i was just trying to start us well no
0: no no but, but i mean but but to the larger point about about uh you know extinction like if if either you are breeding something that you believe can live right and and you are you are reintroducing into an environment because you believe it will be genetically successful or whatever gets brought back you know is going to be something that you keep so the question is uh what gets brought back well things that people want to take care of or things that people think will still be uh, genetically viable well
2: that's interesting too in a in a world where zoos in a world where we're seeing the end of circus performing animals over ethical concerns is it ethical to bring back a species back from extinction just so it can sit in a cage and be
1: gawked at like is that is that better than letting it just just be extinct I think that I think that we would have there would be big arguments about quality of life. You know, one of the things we talked about a long time ago, which I absolutely love, was the idea, and this is not something I advocate that we do next year, but maybe a hundred years from now is take part of Yellowstone Park or some ecosystem there and create a you know, a Paleocene environment. Create something, go back and put mastodons there, put creatures of prehistoric ones there. Not because they need to be around, but that would really be cool to create. Actually, if we get into this era of which we we solve energy and transportation in the way that we've we've solved, you know, some other problems previously, if we get to that level of technology and we don't aren't worried about the space, you know, the living space. I love the idea of like, man, yeah, let's take let's take a big chunk of the United States and make it this old environment. Let's go take uh, parts of South America. Let's make dinosaurs real. You know, let's put some velociraptors in Venezuela.
2: Now, is it is it possible to make dinosaurs? Uh, given the change, uh, there's so much less oxygen in the atmosphere. Wasn't that part of it? Is that they could only be that big because of the oxygen-rich environment?
1: That would be a problem. If we brought back a dinosaur, actually, as they existed, they would be wheezing all the time. You would have to go in and alter their lung capacity to help we'd, them increase. We'd have oxygen. to bring back
2: dinosaurs, custom mm-hmm. dinosaurs. Yeah, never mind. Sorry.
0: I'm
1: I'm okay with that. It's
0: <laughs> a great name. I mean, well, I mean anything that we would bring back from another era, right? Like would have to have some level of accommodations made for the modern society that it is living in, either environmentally or or even just to reintroduce it, right? Like, you know, like it, it's going to be a bit of a trial and error to make it live successfully again. Uh, and uh,
2: I I don't mean to to start a, a, a forest fire or anything, but but did, did did I hear right? I I had not heard uh, the the claim that that only subspecies have gone extinct, no species in the last fifty years. Is that is that real?
1: As far as uh, the only species that we've had that have been lost, I and mean, not subspecies, species that have actually gone extinct, uh, like would have been island species in very very small you know environments subspecies, we do, you reach, you know, there are subspecies declines and extinctions, but as far as species themselves, and some people might say, well, why wait? Why wait for that? But there is this, you know, there's this ebb and flow. Now, somebody pointed out, what about the, you know, the amphibian decline? Well, there have been a number of, we found, you know, fungal agents and other things that have affected frog populations. One of the things that may have been affecting this too is that it's possible in some situations that the people measuring these populations were tracking in parasites or other things on their boots from one environment to another and kind of introducing this sort of worst-case scenario that we face with you know globalized travel and diseases can spread everywhere. Oh, wouldn't so that be awful? There are it is a very Interesting things. And there there are pollutants, things like that that can affect that stuff. But some of this is overblown. Like people still talk about, oh, the bee apocalypse. Well, actually the bee numbers are coming back up. And the bee thing was actually driven by beekeepers, transporting them long distances, keeping hives in unhealthy situations and stuff. But people don't want that message.
2: Well, and uh, I guess
1: beekeepers always messing it up. (laughs) I, I guess the other factor
2: is is when you said in the last fifty years, my brain said in a long time, but then I realized last fifty years being starting in what 1966. It's like 1966 was 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 the heyday of when we of of, of, of environmentalism and 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 you know protecting uh, species that seem threatened or whatever. So I guess I guess I could believe that. That's that's and amazing. Certainly
0: nothing's gone extinct since 1987 when Ileana Douglas played her first film role, Mother <laughs> in Park and Hello Again. I mean that's scientifically
1: for sure. I I defer all of this to uh, uh, Ron Bailey, uh, who is one of my favorite writers on the subject. In which he he you know argues against the he says the predictions of a mass six extinction will likely prove wrong. You can read his book. The end of Doom, which he gets into that and he talks about some of these other issues there too. And his, this is not an argument. None of us here is making this thing like, hey guys, then you know, let's, let's start burning those, garbage, those plastic bags in our backyard and let's start polluting our streams. Let's do all that too. All not right. at all. Out. Not at all. Oh, we're just. Darn. Yeah, except for Justin. <laughs> but let's, 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 let's act on evidence. I mean, or, good-
2: or if the universe is simulated in a, in a computer simulation, in which case I, I advocate it.
0: In that case, Brian's entering the God Code so he can uh, just murder uh, everybody with this gun ammo uh, gun. That was, uh, How, is that one ended poorly? That sentence. That it was, is, not...
2: uh, w- was it, was it <laughs> well, the most
0: the murder of that sentence? W- yeah. w- oh.
2: Was it the most recent Peter F. Hamilton novel where, uh, the very pragmatic lead character, Nigel, uh, rolls his eyes about the recreation. Like there was some, what do they call it? Sanctuary or, or something. Basically they, in, all of humanity's infinite resources at some point in the 22nd century as if to, because they feel so guilty about how they trashed the first Earth, they they essentially make an exact copy of Earth that's totally without any humans whatsoever just to be it. And he's just, and Nigel's just like, what was the point of that? Why did we do that? <laughs> it's just yeah. like, it was a lot of resources for a planet nobody's on. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's fascinating
0: to me to think what you can, if you could do anything, what what
2: should I mean, you do? I think
3: mean, there
0: is just a, a, a good thought experiment. Is you know, what is the natural world, and where do we fit in it? Because it's it's a philosophical idea that I think is, I think everybody believes they're on the same page on, and I don't know if we are. You know, I think that it is something that that is has a more varied. People have more varied answers to that question than you might expect.
2: Well, so so let's say let's say you get your wish list.
0: We have unlimited technology,
2: unlimited resources, unlimited. We can do anything. Uh, from the menu, do you pick freeze where we are now, or or from the technological menu, do you pick um, uh, keep our energy use exactly where it is, but make it all solar and wind, uh, and 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 carve out increasing swaths of unused land? What would you guys pick?
1: Uh- i'm I would go for the other option, which is you know use as much energy as we want, but from more efficient sources, like fusion, I think that you know i i'm I, I i may sound like you know the nut job here like oh fusion fusion no i I think it's a very real technology that we will arrive at at some point when that point is I don't know, but when we do get there, then that it becomes a different question electricity. Electricity was such an incredible invention that that we in the modern world take so much for granted to the point that we're trying to prevent people in the third world and lesser developed countries to have the same level of access to it that we do because we have no idea how helpful it is. You know, you get into an elevator, you don't think about the fact that it's going to move up to the top floor because somewhere cheap electricity is powering this thing. You know, we cook our food indoors on electric ranges where, meanwhile, one of the leading causes of death in the world is people in the less developed world who have to burn wood or dung inside their huts to cook their food, and it is killing them. It has a far greater effect on their their life their, their life expectancy than actually pollution from cars or global warming. Yet we want to worry about our first world problems of like, well, you know, this things and those things are real problems. But the one that's killing the most people right now is a lack of energy, a lack of access to cheap energy, electricity, etc. So. I think looking forward to is, you know, as we solve these sorts of problems, we'll have other ones, but sorry, a little frustrated.
2: uh woogie in the chat says just tuning in but isn't nuclear known to be the safest cleanest we have um it 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 depends there the uh but i mean yes it it is safe and
1: relatively and it is clean relatively safest cleanest may not be actually the cheapest when you figure out the cost of construction and licensing and all that but absolutely the safest and cleanest per you know i you would uh i mean you you might be able to make the argument to say that like with with uh solar and wind, but we haven't had those really in large scales. Like, oh, well, Denmark uses that. There are four people in Denmark, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, but uh, all, there, there might be an, yeah, saw. there might be an argument that, you know, solar might effectively be even more because there are people we have numbers of people who have died because of trying to working around nuclear materials and been in those environments, et cetera. The number of Russian sailors who never saw their 50th birthday because they were inside of these dirty reactors are actually Russian reactors that were, you know, on land that weren't properly shielded, so there is you know an argument, but I would say the largest scale, you know, absolutely, probably it is, and you know, hydroelectric ah, it's great, but if you want to talk about environmental impact, the Tennessee Valley, before and after, you know millions of square miles are you know underwater. I saw it no oh brother art though <laughs> yeah it was a great documentary. There was
2: a man. I want to say a little over a decade ago, there was a wired article talking about the dollar value of all the forests that are currently underneath the uh, water due to hydroelectric electric dams, uh, because the wood just stays there. Like uh, so, there are all these preserved trees that are all ready to just be clipped and brought up. Uh, at the time, they were talking about some kind of robot uh, chopping them up. Uh oh look I was right uh, 2007 um uh, the article's called reservoir logs I would love to know if that whatever came of that
0: Yeah 2007 of course when uh when Eliana Douglas played <laughs> Jill in Walk the Talk <laughs>
1: Um by the way the uh Matt Ridley has a con- has a uh discussion on rational optimist uh, the blog the uh, the greatest cause of extinction is living um,
0: Invasive species. And oh, so, so uh, but, you know, and <clears throat> I mean, it, I always hear about invasive species because we try to move something in to solve another problem. And, you know, we 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 move the birds in to eat the ants and then the birds go crazy and then we have to bring in the snakes to eat the birds.
2: Well, there, there was the uh, the very strange scientific case of the old lady who swallowed a spider to catch the fly. But then mm. she had to swallow her off,
1: yeah he, well, he points bird. out the rats, cats, got goats, and pigs, and particularly one of the places they affect the most is when they get into an island and they completely wipe out a source and those things are introduced by guess what us, <laughs> you know, oh, so it's not like uh you know we can you know those damn rats and their ships they built to to get there to eat everything like this, and so it again we're our argument absolutely is for intelligent stewardship of these things, but understanding these problems in much more than just a knee jerk hysteria, you know, that, oh, everything we do is wrong. Well, no, we do good things. We do bad things. And our opinion on extinction has changed radically. You know, when Lewis and Clark first went out to go find, you know, go explore America, one of their mandates from Thomas Jefferson was, hey, uh. If you can find a mammoth, bring it back because they'd found evidence of woolly mammoths. They'd find these tusks. They found these things. They knew they existed in America at some point. And the idea that an animal that existed once could no longer exist, that's why dinosaurs, the study of paleontology was so recent was because when people did find bones, it was hard to make sense of these things. It's like, well, they have to be around there somewhere. People did not accept the idea that these things did go away. And oh, yes, that's fascinating. Can't.
2: I I didn't even think about the, the fact that the very – I mean given the fact that Origin of the Species was written in the 19th century, uh, the very thought of things going extinct – uh, I guess was is only a couple hundred years old, so of mm-hmm. course you would believe that there would be dinosaurs down by the equator or all of the tales of explorers coming back saying, I found
1: this critter or that critter, you would buy. And it was, you know, one of the things that sort of changed that was as we started to explore and, you know, we'd go into, we'd find the Hawaiian Islands, Polynesian Islands, et cetera, places like there, and you would have these sailors, you know, people would write accounts of, oh, we ran into all these these, these nice big dumb birds that sat around there. Fifty years later, somebody would go there; they weren't there anymore, and you couldn't find them. And you know, and that was in there. We don't know how many species. We do not know how many species we lost in the last five hundred years. And we've lost a number of species in the last five hundred so years. Absolutely, have lost a ton of species. That is absolutely certainly true. All right, our attitudes about these things have changed radically because we didn't know. We didn't know these pretty things could go away. Not to say that we're better about it now are as best as we could be now, but we certainly have changed our mindset on it. But a lot of what we talk about is there's a lot of noise in that data. And we hear a lot of alarm when the noise says one thing and not when it says something else. Uh, You know, a really good, you know, what's helped a lot is in some ways you take Georgia Pacific, they have paper trees, right? They have forests filled with paper trees. And what Georgia Pacific has tried this, they want to continue because they own these forests and not because they're releasing them at cheap rates because they actually own them and have to preserve them. They're doing really good wildlife management there to maintain you know, sustainable forest and all the wildlife that lives there. You know When we look back and at what was the state of animals on our continent before the Europeans came, we found out that the only place where animals weren't being hunted to the verge of extinction was when you had two Indian groups that were at war and they didn't have time to yeah oh. wow Uh hey man you, you, you want to talk picks? yeah let's talk
0: picks. one last thing about origin of the species you know uh, of course <laughs> originally authored in 1859 only 140 years before Eliot and Douglas played <laughs> Issa Weil in Stir of Echoes fun fact that a lot of people don't know oh, it's amazing astonishing stuff Uh <laughs>
1: Okay. I love, he's got these facts at the tip of his fingertips.
0: Oh, man, it's, just, it's right here. It's, you know, fun party fact. Yeah,
1: and, and so just a quick, Mart says species went extinct before humans started breaking the world. And, you know, the biggest die-off we've had was 12,000 years ago, and it coincides with the spread of a certain bipedal mammal across several continents, and it may have been... It was a coincidence or the same circumstances that allowed us to spread, like in you know, the Ice Age, you know, going into an interglacial, or the fact that this really well adapted hunter all of a sudden springs forth into the Americas and Australia and other places that there are no big mammals, you know, anymore.
2: Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm really bummed that the efforts to bring back megafauna in North America didn't really go anywhere. The idea that they're just going to cart in a bunch of elephants and just, you know, say, go, Uh, go wild, you crazy critters.
1: Yeah, there was a. What was the, the? There was like one plan was to try to like you know make Louisiana into like a, a hippo paradise or something because dude
2: hippos are
0: terrifying. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I started watching. I started watching on Netflix. Uh, they got the BBC series Life, and uh, that you know that's all. That's no holds barred. That's 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 some heavy duty gut punch. You know you watch you watch a lot of animals killing other animals on that, which is a weird moment when you've gathered your three year old and your eight year old and your eleven year old. They're like, hey! Eh. It's life. You're watching a uh, hunt happen to a bird, an ostrich. They're tearing it limb from limb.
1: Gentlemen.
0: Happy birthday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Somebody had a birthday. Brian, was it you? Did you have your birthday? When's your birthday, Brian? Uh,
2: No, mine's back in January. Mine's back oh. in January. Never uh, mind.
0: No, of course, uh, uh,
2: Brian's daughter, Penny, had a birthday. No, nope, no, that's that's coming up. Hadn't happened yet. Uh, Hadn't happened oh. Yeah. Oh.
1: You know whose birthday is July twenty fifth? Uh, Ileana Douglas's. That's
2: correct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, yeah,
2: gosh, birthday, birthday, birthday. No, just Justin just had a birthday, right? Uh, uh, I'd yeah. make a bigger deal out yes, of it if he yes, finally
0: twenty one. Uh, yeah, twenty nine again. <laughs> uh, no, thirty three years old, uh, still going strong. You know, it's amazing how how lucid I still am. Uh, Yeah, no, it was a a fun time yesterday. But thank you to everybody who uh, said nice things.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: Including Andrew.
1: Yeah, I tried to leave you the usual message, and then I got distracted in the middle of the message. Uh,
2: I'm just going to assume that the usual message is the uh, Marilyn Monroe singing, Happy Birthday, Mr. President. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, you got more of a Harvey Firestein one this time.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice, yeah. um, gentlemen. Let's go. Let's go ahead. Let's go to picks. I'll start off with picks. What you yeah. got? I, uh, you know, you know me, guys. I'm on top of things. I'm way on top. I'm ahead of the curve. Like. <laughs> That's me, that's sniffing out something, something that's going to be a hit. Firefly, uh,
2: Battlestar Galactica, uh, Arrested Development. Not as bad this time. Okay. Not as bad okay, this
1: Okay, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of, uh, you know, Christian Rock, and I bought a movie on iTunes and, uh, you know, was expecting something totally different. Um, you know, I thought that... Uh, You know, we we never really got the full story that we could have on this band. And it was a uh, it was a little bit of a surprise for me to find out that um, it wasn't what I expected. You know, those things where you're like, oh, man, I can't wait to watch this or I can't wait to get into this. And you're like, you know, I'm from Florida. They're from Florida, you know, and and it's all right. Not. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. I know where you're going. Yeah. I was waiting Can't for something. You take
0: to... me higher.
1: Yes. Oh, man, I got no idea. I'm talking about Creed. I'm talking about Creed. Turns out not oh. about the band. Oh, turns out got it. it's actually a Rocky movie, guys. <laughs> it's a rocking movie. There's uh they're they're rocking it is a out. rocking
0: movie.
1: Uh it is it
0: is also a Rocky movie. So you saw you saw Creed, what did you think?
1: I, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And it's, it's, you know, I had the benefit of, of, you know, everybody else who kind of, you know, went in there to go see it early on, kind of had to take a risk on like, well, this is, you know, it's, you know, as Chris Rock says, Black Rocky, is this going to be good? Is this going to be good? And um I, you know, people like, and people I put on Twitter, I'm like, hey, I just saw this. I loved it. People like, oh, what do you think of Stallone? I thought Stallone was great. What I loved was the direction. I thought oh, Ryan God. Coogler was like – it's an amazingly well-directed film. I was just – I and he wrote the screenplay I think too with uh, – let me see who else he wrote it with. Um, just let's Covington. give credit. It was – so it was directed by Ryan Coogler and the screenplay was written by Ryan Coogler and Aaron Covington. And I thought every ca- Rocky character – Baby Creed's character, his girlfriend. I thought all the characters, everybody was really well developed. I cared about each person, even, you know, the antagonist, whatever. I thought they were all done. Felicia Rashad, I was thought it was such a good movie that people didn't just exist there to exist. They existed because the story was about them too. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was, it's like, you know, and you you, anytime you go into a boxing movie or a sports movie, you kind of have this sort of idea of a predictable sort of outcome. But the Rocky movies, surprisingly, have always been very good at saying, you know, Rocky, first one, spoiler alert, Rocky doesn't win. A lot of people are like, oh, you know what he wins. like, no, no, he didn't win in Rocky. Remember that? You know, it was like he didn't win. And, and when there they revisited the no Rocky Balboa. What's that? There ain't gonna be no rematch. Yeah. You know, Rocky Balboa, you know, was another one. It was, it was really taking the idea of like, you're trying to beat yourself. You're trying to do your best. You're trying to take it as far as you can, and and in a really get and to do a you know in a in a great sports movie, you could walk away and not win, but still pro- show up and do what you need to do, and still come out having succeeded. And so going into Creed, I'm like, okay, I I'm, I'm I'm I don't have any biases about that. It's not like you know I expect at the end of this movie that you know whatever that it has to play out a certain way. But I'm excited to see the journey to there, and I enjoyed it.
0: So here's the best, you know, The the, ultimately, Creed is a story wherein you have to, uh, if you are the director and writer and and everybody, you have to get the audience to cheer for a rich legacy kid to beat a poor, wrong side of the tracks fighter (laughs) uh, uh, in his hometown and embarrass him, right? And we get there and it's so amazing it is uh, the best directed rocky movie ever uh and and it it's one of those obviously we live in this world where everything gets rebooted and everything you know has this second life and and you know sometimes it's done for the right reasons and sometimes it's done for the wrong ones uh this is in every sense uh for the right reasons like this is somebody who is really, 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 really good, both uh, you know, in writing and, and directing and, and acting. M- Michael B. Jordan's fantastic. And I thought specifically Coogler for, for director and, and Michael B. Jordan for, for actor was something that probably should have gotten Oscar consideration.
1: I, I'm going to a little side plot point. His challenger was not poor. His challenger is basically Conor McGregor, but as a boxer. I mean, he's, he was facing going off to prison, but he was a wealthy guy.
0: Was he a wealthy guy? I mean, he was wealthy from fighting,
1: right? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I mean, I, I, I all I'm saying, I, a, I don't a guy that started, in, more. I do want to get into you, the weeds on you. this. Absolutely, but,
1: got you, got you, got you. It,
0: it's, it's just a, a, you know, it's a hard thing. It, I mean, like, it, it's, it's a, it's a huge challenge. Why are we cheering for the rich kid? Uh, and not to say that a guy got that wasn't rich, right, or wasn't yeah. successful, but in, in another movie, that very much Creed as the bad guy in the in the original Rocky movie could have been the bad guy, right? Uh, his his son could have been the bad guy. So uh, it, it really, really was uh, really great. And just w- one of the things that stuck with me after the movie was how Coogler played with the score. Like, you, the score is such a huge part of a Rocky movie. And so often he would, like, Tease you to the point that you're going to get to an element of the score, or have the score sort of echo uh, uh, elements of it, and then and and yet deny you that experience to the point where you you don't feel by the end like oh this is just a Rocky movie they're going to run us through the Rocky paces and you know here's a montage and here's this and here's that you kind of get all that they hit all those bases but it's it's always just a little different to the point where. When you are really at the point where you want these rocky tropes the most, they're there for you, and you're just like like,
2: "Yeah, you're so jacked for it did did they did they pull the magic trick where it's like you forget that it's a rocky movie, and then those tropes happen, and you're like,
1: "Oh, it's a rocky movie well what what they did, which is really cool is because in the in the in the rocky universe. Rocky is famous, you know, yeah. is that Rocky Balboa is a legend. People know who he is. And, and there are iconic moments that that if you were in that world that you knew and Apollo Creed is a guy that has a, le- a legacy now like Muhammad Ali. So, you know, there's there's a couple points where it's sort of like you get these things because people around there know that was a thing. Yeah, you know. If like you know, you listen to bicyclists talk back in the day when Lance Armstrong was a good guy about like when they got to go ride with Lance Armstrong, you know, like we're yeah. right along, we saw him and next to him, and what people talk about what that was like, and so you kind of have there's certainly tropes like that they use it, so they kind it makes sense, I guess, in this sort of in this world, you know. But,
0: but I mean, to, to your point, Brian, you know, there's you're you. are you're never really far away from a scene in which Sylvester Stallone is playing Rocky, which kind of, you know, obviously brings you back to understanding what universe this is in. Mm -hmm. But there are plenty of scenes where this is about uh, Creed and his girlfriend, or Creed making decisions about where he wants to go in life. And those don't feel like Rocky at all, and and they are just really, really well, well well-done scenes. And really, to be honest, you know, uh, the Rocky movies are... You know, and they got better action-wise as they went along. But it's like the action and the fight scenes in this movie specifically is his debut and, and the final one are amazing for for very, very different reasons. The first one is, is an unbroken shot that is just awesome. And the second is uh this like in in lesser hands would feel audacious in how. They switch styles almost per round to kind of tell this larger story of of the fight. It is it is you know I think it would feel kind of ADD in in a lesser director's hands, but it it, it fits so
1: perfectly in this one. Mm-hmm. I loved and I loved really how they dealt with the idea of what would the legacy have been of Apollo Creed in this universe. You know I love that and there's you know you there's a in a was it uh, was a Rocky. To was it were we at the end where like he and Apollo go have their you know it cuts away but, you know they're gonna go have their own private fight yeah, yeah. they're you they're know? gonna they're gonna break they' at, they're at the end of rocky their...
2: three right like like he he defeats mr. T and then they're just uh in
1: the ring together and then and then punches then it freezes and it goes which to was, was a great thing, and yeah. here you find out who won, you know you find out who won, and it was such a it was such a uh, the the way that even though Apollo Creed is off screen, the idea of what space that and it just to the credit of the screenplay of just how they said okay, how do we where what does that legacy mean in this day? You know what would the legacy be of you know of a Muhammad Ali or George Foreman or somebody to that effect? You know and how would that that ha, not just Rocky's you know legacy with his and and just sort of placing it? I just I loved that. I really really loved that
0: uh yeah man if you haven't seen it it's available everywhere on on uh vod so uh check it out and and ryan kugler uh you know a great great director and uh you know another great director that's being brought in by uh marvel to do black panther so and we're
1: getting creed 2 apparently
0: yeah, Creed Two, which which uh, you know, uh Coogler's not gonna direct, but I think it's 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 exciting. And, you know, gets more uh you know Michael B. Jordan is is fantastic in this movie. And you know, we we talked a lot about the acting and the writing. Uh would, would but- you mind
2: would- if, if Sylvester Stallone was not even in Creed two at all? Like like at this point you're invested enough in in Creed the Younger's story? You need to give a send off to him.
0: Yeah. You know, which yeah, I mean I think he would—it's uh, better if he plays some part in it because the movie does revolve around Creed's relationship with Rocky and, and you know, there is enough kind of Rocky pathos that we have our own little Rocky story in the middle of of, of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he should be a part of it. But if he was a lesser part of it, I don't think that the movie would suffer.
1: His—and his—and I would say, like, you know, they Stallone's Rocky character is one of these things that people often talk about from a distance without realizing what it is. And what made Rocky so great is the charm. The he's a, he's sounds like a thick guy, but he's so witty. You know, he's in that kind of way, and that's what's such a neat presence about it. Is that he's a guy that like you know Rocky knows he's not the brightest guy in the world. Rocky Rocky knows who the you know the guy who's not the quickest guy in the world is. But he's always got that neat observation or whatever like that, and his presence. You know, again, I thought I loved Rocky Balboa. I thought Rocky Balboa yeah. was a really well done movie, and you just you just you seeing him as his character and having him now go into mentor role, such a neat idea. You know,
0: so. well, and and you know, uh, especially the, the first Rocky is very much a uh, a, a, a ethnic story and in, in, in an era in and in a neighborhood. In Philadelphia, where where being an Italian like is its own unique thing, you know, and this does not shy away from that. Looking at at, at Creed and where he fits in, uh, you know, as uh, you know, this is this is a a story about a black Californian transplant who comes to Philadelphia to to train, you know, like and and it never. Uh, it, it never is too much about it. Much like Rocky, it's never too much about it, but it never shies away from it. And I think well, that well, brings so the, much off the reverse
2: of the Fresh Prince story. He yeah. comes to West well, Virginia. There is Fresh Prince, the first Fresh Prince. The Fresh Prince. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It's, but what, what I was like too is that that I, I like the idea that it wasn't about race; it was about culture. Yeah. You know. You, you know. You, you're you're in the middle of Philadelphia culture, and and you see what Philadelphia's culture is like versus LA culture, and or black culture, and in. in First, LA versus Philadelphia and stuff and all that, which I, I dug a lot, was the idea like, oh, this is really cool because it's, it's not it's not about the race as much as culture, which I enjoyed.
0: Yeah. Oh no, definitely. And 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 the idea like you know that that in and and without spoiling stuff, you know, like that the, you know their black biker culture is like a big thing in Philadelphia, and like that plays a part in 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 the movie, you know, and in in a, in, a, in a very pivotal scene that is echoing of another scene in, in the original Rocky. It's really rad. Yeah.
2: Uh, Hey, I have a, uh, I don't know, I guess, uh, uh, two half picks. <laughs> Neither one is, is like
0: when fused together. The temple mouth. open. you know what?
2: Actually, let's, let's explore what my two picks fused together would look like. Yeah. Uh, one is of course, house of cards is back and wackier than ever. Uh, Boy, if if you loved the hijinks of 1980s soap operas, are you going to love... The crazy stuff that happens in uh, in House of Cards this. Wow! Car so around. this uh,
0: th- this season has got better reviews. I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but but it got better reviews than season three. I was hoping that it would kind of return to the form of 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 season one. You not so much.
2: Oh no no! no. I mean uh, I've enjoyed it a lot. It's been a lot of fun, but I I think it's I've enjoyed it because and I don't know if it's a, a, a case of the the directing just has me uh, along for the ride or or something. About about it, uh, I, I you know the first the season, of
0: Mister Roper. Apparently,
3: <laughs>
2: I mean, Secretary uh, I, 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 of State Roper. I don't want to say any specifics about it, but there's a lot of tropes straight out of 1980s uh, soap operas, uh, and and some wacky, wacky ideas that get floated. Some of them come to fruition, some of them don't, and uh, and I'm along for the ride all the way, all the way through. Uh, and then uh, my, the other half pick is uh, is Great Minds with Dan Harmon. The second episode came out uh, in which he he meets Ernest Hemingway uh, and discusses writing. And like uh, he's like, oh well, I, I'm a writer too. And Ernest Hemingway's first thing he says is, oh, how many wars have you been in? <laughs> and Dan Harmon's like, well, um, you know, f- Fallout Four. And uh, he's like, oh, there's a good war but uh uh anyway it's it's just the amount of wackiness sorry i got a little girl that just walked into the studio um that's on me for not locking the door but uh, uh anyway i i'm enjoying those immensely they're short uh, 11 minute episodes uh just search for great minds on youtube and you'll see them posted right there on the history channel
0: youtube page uh, yeah, I can, uh, I'll, I'll vouch for great minds. Uh, I, I, I liked the first one with uh, Jack Black as Ludwig von Beethoven. Uh, I loved the second one. Scott Adsit plays, uh, plays Ernest Hemingway, which is so great because Scott Adsit on 30 Rock and, and a lot of other uh, shows has this history of playing these, downtrodden beaten uh men right and and so for him to step so confidently in in this uh comedic uh uberman version of uh uh ernest hemingway is just uh just awesome i think it's 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 really really funny
2: I also enjoyed the, uh, the the very, very brief, like, greatest hits of all the awkward confessions Dan Harmon has made on his podcast, Harmon Town, over the last three or four years, just crammed into a montage of, of it all at once. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, including a view that he hasn't
0: made yeah. at, at the end. <laughs> and you're like, all right, well, I guess <laughs> no, it's I'll it's look like, forward this to this that one true. coming up uh, uh, all right, my pick, uh, I mentioned it in after things, uh, and if you're listening to these in order, then then we talk very briefly about it with uh with one of the stars, uh Eliana Douglas is Action. Uh I love Action. It was one of my favorite shows when it came out, when it came out on DVD, I bought it immediately. Uh it is uh super super fun. You know, Jay Moore is is, is uh, you know, probably my favorite thing that he's ever done. Eliana Douglas um plays a hooker who uh, is hired by Jay Moore, but uh, he then quickly realizes that she is a better production, uh, uh, you know, a, a script reader and and production executive than she is a hooker and, uh, you know, comes along for this ride. It's very much, you know, a, a, a love letter and, uh, well, maybe not a love letter, a, a scathing critique of uh, entertainment in the late 90s when, as it turns out, there were a lot of really interesting things uh, happening, uh, you know, it's, uh, you get caricature, uh, versions of the Wachowski brothers and, uh, the, the, the Weinsteins and, they were uh, brothers. you know, the, the birth of independent movies and, and what, you know, was popular in, in blockbuster filmmaking. So go ahead and check it out. It's, it's really, uh, it's well done. I'm sure it's on uh, iTunes or whatever, but check it out.
1: I, I have one more pick guys. Oh yeah. What is it? Rick and Morty season three.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. The news just <laughs> dropped coming I mean, earlier. I haven't
1: seen it yet, but I'm sure it's going to be the best
2: All thing right, ever. Wait,
0: can we, can we have a conversation about this? Because news, and I believe you me, I'm very excited for Rick and Morty season three. Uh, I'm glad that Andrew watched it before anybody and introduced it to everyone. <laughs> I This, the news, was Dan Harmon saying that that it was going to happen at the end of this year and it's going to be 14 episodes. While I believe wholeheartedly that it will be 14 episodes... Uh, I don't know if I trust Dan Harmon at a random, uh, you know, Magic City Comic Con uh, to uh, that, that, that it's definitely going to come out by the end of well, the year.
2: Well, I, I, I believe it because it's out of his hands. It, like, by, for the production schedule that it takes to make animated features, the script's already, like, his work has to already be done by now. And so now it's just in the hands of uh, some kids over on the other side of the
1: planet. Well, I mean, listen. I, I it, the keyword was targeting into the year. It may not happen. These things get pushed. I will take this, Justin, over maybe two thousand seventeen sometime. Yeah. <laughs> oh no 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 no.
0: I, so I, shut I, your I, mouth. I think it's. Why great do you hate it? That we're seeing shots of like uh, uh, finished scripts and stuff like that, all awesome. I'm very very excited for it. But like, I I, I don't. I, all I would say is that let's let's not all be disappointed if this gets moved into first quarter 2017
2: i'll take first quarter dude yeah. i'll take whatever they're dealing man
1: it's yeah. that, that that thing's yeah, batting it's a gray. thousand brian you feeling a little bit rained on by justin here no no it's fine I, i've
2: it's nothing but but excitement and sunshine and rainbows man i'm gonna rain compliments down on brian no that's right when he's uh, live in studio <laughs> you're a swell
0: guy Hey, have you lost weight? I'm raining compliments. I have. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Hey, uh, programming note, guys. Uh, Brian and I, a lot of opportunities to see Brian and I live over the next week uh, during the South by Southwest Festival. Uh, Night Attack will be live Monday instead of Tuesday. So tomorrow night Uh, we are. Are we still doing the Tuesday thing? Yeah, I'm still working out the
2: details on that. Uh, right now, we're on track to do an early night attack on Monday night this week and then try to do a special event uh, shoot uh, Scam School. I got to talk to the guy and get a better sense of it.
0: So, Tuesday, possibly live a thing that would be uh, uh, with Brian and I. Uh, Wednesday, we're doing a live contender meetup uh, that is at Hideout Coffee, 6 p.m. Uh, on uh, the 8th in Congress. Yeah, 8th in Congress. So go ahead and check that out. And then Saturday, Brian, Justin, and the Possum Posse bring to you the first ever South by Southwest live Night Attack. Brian, it's Austin Night Attack live, and (laughs) it might be your first time, but I swear you'll enjoy it after a few minutes.
2: Uh, Yeah, man. They say you're a changed person after you've experienced your first Austin Night Attack live. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Uh, well, uh, everybody, we we hope that you come on out and, and check it out. That's going to be at the Brew Exchange from two to five on Saturday. That is the uh, Saturday of South by Southwest Interactive. Oh, uh, yeah, real quick, uh, we said two to five,
2: uh, like too sharp. Like doors open at noon. You want to get there, get there, get there early so you could
1: be there for uh, for the performance.
0: Yeah, because we're listen, man, we're 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 cooking.
1: We're on, and a, a week schedule. later. If you're in Northern California, I'll be at Silicon Valley Comic Con. Absolutely. I'll be there, too, but m-
0: not in any official capacity. I'm just going to be there to throw things at Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> Among others. Thanks. <laughs> gentlemen. No, I'll throw compliments. I'm going to wad up
1: compliments. <laughs> in the middle of his hey, performance. your eyes
0: sparkle. <laughs> you look
2: nice.
1: <laughs> gentlemen. Mm-hmm. It's been weird without Ileana Douglas here. It has. It has. (laughs) Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)